0: Do it. Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Four Color Nerds Comics Podcast, episode 48. I'm Rory, and I'm joined by the other nerds Ryan. Hello. Christina. Hello. Chris is out this week as she's busy leveling up. Happy birthday, Chris.
1: Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
0: Together we take on this week's comics. Each week we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, well, then just go on back and take a look at your week's comics, read them, and come on back, y'all. Uh, each week one of us picks their favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I'm that nerd. So this week my pick of the week goes to Civil War Two, number five. Companion song is Murder Was the Case by Snoop Dogg.
2: Dead motherfucker
0: now. As I look up at the sky, my mind starts dripping, a tear drops my eye. My body temperature falls, I'm shaking, they they breaking, trying to save the dough. Pumping on my chest and I'm screaming. I stop breathing, damn, I see demons. Dear God, I wonder, can you save me?
2: I can't die, my boo-boo's about to have my
0: baby. I think it's too late for praying. Hold up, her voice broke to me and it slowly started saying, your
1: lifestyle
0: to me i make your bed how long will i live
2: in better for how will i be the g that i want i make just my bed and you can imagine no even drink
0: so relax yourself, let me take control close your eyes my sun my eyes are closed for spider man man that's some
1: fucked up shit why does it got to be no. spider man <laughs> That's a bummer
0: there wasn't, like, a whole lot of storyline advancement, but it was just basically one big brawl the entire time.
2: If you like seeing heroes fight each other, yeah. this has got it in spades. Like, everybody, too.
0: Everybody.
2: about everybody. That was pretty awesome. Those, like, bored tourists are like, you know, here's the statular. They're like, yeah, yeah, we made it through 6th grade history. Where are the superheroes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: fucking Drax goes flying by, getting super-punched by somebody into orbit.
0: <laughs> oh, that opening scene, too. That's just so fucking badass they're like how many superheroes can we jam into one shot
2: that like classic scene of both sides running at each other to like totally start fighting Mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome
0: so on this one basically what happens is that we start off with the inhumans meeting up getting ready to join the big fight that's going down they decide it's finally time for them to join they tell ulysses to stay behind because his powers aren't going to be needed and then you go into this awesome fight scene between Captain Marvel and Iron Man. Yeah, that is pretty cool. The whole fight is just great. Man with power suit versus actual superhero. Empowered superhero. So it was kind of a cool shot. I liked how you uh, used the reversal thing. She's like, ah, you forget I can absorb energy. Well, <laughs> I thought of that already. <laughs> I
2: just fed you some poison. <laughs> Have fun <laughs> with this. <laughs> I also liked that he kind of just behind his back blasts Gamora away from him when uh-huh. she's like running towards him to like chop him down. He's like, nope. That's <laughs> not (laughs) Happening,
0: everybody's fucking brawling, it's all chaos. Best was Blue Marvel and Nova. He blasts them and they go take it off into space.
2: I also like when Blue Marvel was fighting Luke Cage, and he's like, I'm so smart, and he's like, Then why'd you fall for this? (laughs) 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 The power of street knowledge. (laughs) I liked the fight where Magique just teleports people away.
0: That was so great.
2: <laughs> where she's going to fight Captain America, the Falcon Captain America. Yeah. Oh, and she's like, well, I'm just going to teleport you out of here. i to right. like, California, you're out of this.
0: <laughs> He's like, I'm not into fighting you lady and teleports him out She's like, it's not a boy versus girl. And she's
2: like, yeah, bye. That's like Rocket just like shooting everybody being like, this is so much fun. (laughs) This is the best day
0: ever. Right after that, you have Venom fighting Spider-Man. I was curious about that one, given the history and stuff, but we're talking about a different Spider-Man. So it was funny that he's like, you're not the Spider-Man I know.
2: (laughs) And it was funny. He was offended. He's like, how dare you? (laughs) put this on.
0: Yeah. He's like a fanboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a cool little thing with the whole uh, Venom Blast thing, too. I hadn't seen that before, I don't think.
2: Yeah, Miles has different powers than yep. uh, Peter Parker does. Yes.
0: Yes, which I like that.
2: I like when they're fighting Alpha Flight. They're like, I don't even know which Canadian you are. They're like, you'll remember now. Oh, Oh, that was,
0: that was funny I was forgetting. That was like my favorite part. When I saw that, I was literally just started laughing out loud. I was like, oh, that's fucking hilarious.
2: <laughs> Which Canadian are you? <laughs> Finally, the Inhumans show up and they're like, damn it. Even her backup has backup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Ulysses ends up showing up at the scene and his powers start taking over. This is where the big reveal comes up. After like a badass battle between everybody, then everybody all of a sudden gets sucked into uh, Ulysses' vision and they see spider-man sitting there miles with a looks like a bone driven through uh steve rogers chest
1: it looks like something metal like a sharp metal spike like maybe from a building
0: that's an improvised weapon right there
2: so they're in front of that looks like the capitol building
0: everybody freaks out about it and then because you know obviously they know how the visions of the future work miles is all freaked out and then of course he gets arrested yep you're under arrest that's why I chose Snoop Dogg song. <laughs> it just seemed appropriate.
2: I love that look where she goes to arrest him. Miss Marvel runs over to Miles to like comfort him and be like, That's not gonna happen, you know, I know who you are. Yeah. And then Captain Marvel comes over and like puts her hands on her shoulder and she's like, Sorry, kid. Yeah. That oh. look between the two of them, that's good stuff right there. There's too many Marvels in this fucking comic. There's a lot of Marvels. Blue Marvel, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, fucking
0: Kid Marvel, fucking Dog Marvel,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Grandma Marvel. They're all showing up. Grandma Marvel, kitchen sink Marvel. (laughs) They're all there. (laughs) What if Miles Morales found out about Steve Rogers' Hydra affiliation? That was exactly what I thought too. And that's why. why. Oh,
1: exactly. We've seen that sometimes there's a reason that somebody has to kill somebody. Possible that he finds out about that. Why would Miles Morales kill anybody? What if he would? just found him like that
2: i mean his hand is kind of (laughs) dripping blood that doesn't mean that he's the one who actually killed him unfortunately the vision doesn't have him go it wasn't me
1: what if he's like holding him in horror like oh my god what just happened
2: when the vision gets revealed when steve rogers is looking at him he actually Mm -hmm. looks kind of sad that this is going to happen to him the thing's face is actually pretty epic too i think you're going to have people who are not going to be okay with miles being arrested for something he didn't do yet
0: yeah that's badass great artwork great I mean, there wasn't much story going on. But I'm going to give it four and a half hacked face masks.
2: I'm going to give it three and a half. It's not a boy versus girl thing. Oh, you, I was, took my nice. shithead. I'm
1: going to give it four while a raccoon that
2: talks.
1: <laughs> that totally made me laugh. Seeing Rocket for the first time for some people is probably rather shocking.
2: That raccoon has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of them. I'm taking us away from Marvel over to Image for Seven to Eternity number one, written by Rick Remender, Art by Jeremy Opeña, colors by Matt Hollingsworth. It was completely different than everything I've seen before, but it also reminded me in a lot of ways of that stubborn Appalachian person who just will not bend Mm -hmm. to anything else. Although the art was jaw-dropping, it really felt like I was listening to my grandfather talk to me about how compromise is a sign of, like, weak. I felt like I could identify with these people a lot. The story is kind of weird. There's this fantasy world I guess, depending on your point of view, maybe this, like, Sauron-type figure that they call the God of Whispers. I got a lot of Lord of the Rings in this. Or the Mud King, depending on if you follow him or not. There's these people who can, like, tap into to magic, basically— The whisper guy had been spreading throughout them, turning a lot of them to his ways, and there was this one guy who wasn't going to bend his knee to him, wouldn't even listen to his proposal. Because what they say is that when the God of Whispers comes to you, he offers you a really good deal, and that everyone seemingly benefits from it. But this guy wasn't having any of it, and he ends up getting banished by all the other people who have listened to the God of Whispers. And there's actually an interesting part where they say, like, why bother having an army when you can just, through whispers, turn your enemy's army against him? (laughs) So I thought that was interesting, the idea that lies can be just as powerful as any other weapon. The magic works kind of differently in this. There's like these spirits that they can tap into, and when that guy gets banished, he goes thousands of miles away off into the mountains to graze his family on his own. He doesn't want any part in the war that's coming. It's not his war. He doesn't want to fight in it. So then you see he and his daughter out hunting this magical boar, and his daughter is a really powerful magician. And it took me actually had to read the panel like twice to figure out where she's taking this eel fish thing and communicating with its spirit to turn it into an arrow. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you know, once it goes through the hide, you're going to guide it to the heart. I was like, what is he talking about? And then I realized that that thing is going to bite into the boar and then burrow its way through her heart under his guidance and then inject it with poison. So I thought that was kind of interesting. The army that they thought they had left behind comes back to get their vengeance. This storm comes, That's actually this army that comes to destroy them and starts raining like lightning and fire down on them. And they take out the barn first where all their fantasy type horses are so they can't get away. And then they start burning down the house so that all of their magical stuff that's inside there, so they can't use it in the battle. Just the design on these creatures and things is so inventive. Like the main guy that they're fighting is this kind of like Flautist. Flautist. So as he's playing his flute, he's summoning spirits out to attack people. I haven't seen that before, and I really like things that are different. Yes.
1: And they're like dog things with snakes coming out of them. Which are crazy.
2: The actual spirits that are coming out of the flute look like little demonic sprites that are yeah. burrowing into people and tearing them apart.
1: They almost look like evil yeah. fairies or demons or something.
2: Guy that uh, had originally defied the Mud King, which I thought this was kind of an interesting poetic way that they ended up killing him. These spirits go into him and mm-hmm. are tearing him apart and kind of force him down to his knees. Then they turn the ground into mud and drowned him in the mud. Only his like hand is sticking up through the mud and his son goes cold his hand while he's dying. It's more than just sentiment that brings him over to do that because he knows when his spirit departs if he's physically near it he'll be able to communicate with it for a second the spirit tells him no matter what you do don't go to the mud king don't hear his offer his son is actually sick he has something that looks like tuberculosis thing so he's coughing up blood he says the sickness has spread from his stomach to his lungs so maybe it's cancer of some kind I, i don't know but he knows he's dying so i think he has the idea that if i'm going to die and only have a few weeks left to live anyway i'm gonna go and try and kill this guy
1: Fuck it all. Take somebody down
2: with you. Ends up at this ancient temple that stood through all these different cataclysms, but no, couldn't resist the Mud King. And when he goes in, you see there's like this basically this civil war that's broken out, kind of again with the idea of the God of Whispers spreading like lies and misinformation to make people kill each other. So there's all these people who are stabbed by their friends and writing in blood on the walls. So he goes to. This place where the Mud King actually is, there's all these people who are yelling at him for being a traitor and a coward. It reminds me a lot of when he's writing like a Clint Eastwood kind of thing where he's just, I'm not paying any attention to what you have to say. Uh I didn't leave you in the first place. You cast me out. Or it's just like straightforward. So he ends up in the throne room of the Mud King. And it ends with him saying, will you finally hear my offer? So I'm kind of interested to see what happens next. I mean, this was really, really creative. Uh, Opeña's art on this is amazing. It's a world that I feel that I want to know more about. I found the story interesting and the characters to be people that I can definitely relate to. Love,
1: love, love. The dragon thing that he actually saved, that was really interesting. That part where he's walking through like the walls of blood and stuff like that, where there was all his warnings. It had an almost never-ending story vibe to this. The artwork is great in this. The story is really good. I love the magic. It's really interesting. It's different. He does have a very Clint Eastwood look to this. This has that kind of Western-style story, but fantasy.
2: Maybe like the Dark Tower from Stephen King might have some similarities I'm personally a pretty big fan of the gritty
0: western type of thing so mixing that with combination of fantasy and space opera type thing really interesting I like the designs like you know how many times you see somebody whoops a mask with a flute (laughs) (laughs) The artwork in this is just really top-notch, and the story, although it's a little bit weird, you know, and it'll take you a couple times to, like, really get down, like, what's going on exactly, but, I mean, it's really good. Damn fine start. Definitely makes me want to
2: check out the next round.
1: That two page panel was awesome. It kinda did it not kinda look a little bit like Groot?
2: Yes. It looked a lot like Groot. <laughs> Giant tentacle beasts coming out of the darkness. Like there's all kinds of stuff yep. going on. That's some good shit. I ended up giving it four and a half. Will you hear my offer now?
0: I'm gonna give it four demonic flutes. I'm
2: gonna
1: give it four and a quarter. We'll get the Vine, 1831 AD, one-shot, modern romance, image comics, written by Karen Galen, art by Stephanie Hans. This is a one-shot story about, this is basically going back in time to seeing the gods in a previous time period, meaning 1831. We start out with, of course, Anki, who, showing exactly who she always has been, freaking killing everybody. Well, this time she only kills Hades. He's on his deathbed anyway, but of course she's gonna stab him to death. The line, I I love you, I'll miss you, was just, I don't know, she doesn't love them, I don't think, but
2: (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Maybe there's ones that she has more affection for, and they're probably different in each incarnation.
1: This was interesting. The incarnations of some of the gods this time were interesting because we had some...
2: Like gender switching, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was kind of fun. So we start out with Ina and Lucifer are actually a couple, and there's some sexy, sexy times. So we'll probably be sad that she missed out on the sexy times.
2: <laughs> what it they say when um, she kisses him that it tastes like brimstone and she wants to choke?
1: This is where the gender role switches, where we have the Morgan guy, Woden, is a girl. And she's the badass with the the big horned crown and the little eye, the little monocle thing, which I thought was very cool. There's always good costuming in <laughs> their
2: stories. Lucifer is, I guess, a man in this also, which is a switch.
1: They're going back and they're telling their kind of their stories about everything. The one that is the absolute, really horribly sad is the story of Woden. She knew she's going to die and she tried to keep having children and she, it was like it was a total of like three times. She, What the story reveals at the end is that the reason why her children kept on dying was they were actually being killed by Inanna.
2: Anarchy shows up and Tells her that, you know, nothing gets to live, especially not you.
1: Because there's like three little stories in here. The last one is Woden and Yana talking back and forth where she's like, you are my sister. You killed the three children. You did your partisan accord. And then she's going to kill her. And she says that she's with lucifer's child
2: a lot of the romantic writers this is kind of famous you know went away on vacation and ended up telling each other horror stories and this is where like the roots of frankenstein from Shelley and like all these things came from that night and this is their version of that night
1: yeah there's a bunch of fun little basically short stories where they're all getting kind of drunk over the table and telling all their stories which is pretty interesting
2: I like where they called back some of the other kind of stories from that time. They had the murders in the room org thing with the, like the monkey mm-hmm. that killed the person and lots of nice little allusions to that time period.
1: The art was great in this one. I enjoyed Stephanie Hans because we've seen her before and other stuff. I love the characters. I love how they look. These are all basically new characters, but same old gods.
2: Some fun creativity there. It expanded that lore out to see previous incarnations. And I wonder if that basically Frankenstein creature that they create, it's still Mm -hmm. out there. I wonder if that's going to show up in the regular story.
0: I think this is like my second issue of Wicked and Divine. And I was confused as shit on the first one, and I'm confused as shit on this one.
1: Well, this one's even worse because it doesn't even tie in to the regular
0: what I could follow on the story was interesting. It's a long, confusing story.
1: A lot of people do read this in trade, and a lot of times I have to go back and reread some of the stories. and I will probably have to go back again and reread <laughs> a lot of the stories. It is another one where there's so many characters to have to follow so i I enjoy this one. I mean it's a it's a one shot. I actually I feel kind of bad because I really I like that style where they kind of go into a time period and put the same characters in a different time period. I like that. I like this is yet another one that Karen Gilden has done with that kind of nod to historic characters and stuff like that.
2: Four or six issue miniseries would have been better I think.
1: Yeah I'm going to give it three and three quarter monocle helmets because that Mm -hmm. thing is badass. Somebody needs to make that costume.
2: I will give it three corpses in a crib. I'll give it three brimstone kisses. Let's keep the darkness going. Oh yeah. So
0: we've got Black Eyed Kids number six Dine and Dash. Aftershock Comics written by Joe Pruitt. Art by Simon Kredansky Colors by Guy Major.
2: All these people are shooting <laughs> kids in the parking lot.
0: <laughs> Let's go get a Grand slam and Dennis.
2: Moon's over my hammer.
0: Can't have a murder without <laughs> pancakes. So everybody's sitting at the diner, basically chopping it up, because that's the cool thing to do is stop at the diner, get some coffee, and talk about how these black-eyed kids are murdering the shit out of everybody. They find out that their new companion, the old guy that like kind of saved their ass before, that his entire family was murdered by them
2: one of his kids turned his daughter yeah.
0: and so at one point or another guilt tripping him about stuff and so then he like trying to say like you don't understand what it's like and then he
2: you know drops the hammer on him like, i understand what it's like i've known what it's like for 20 years yeah. and let me tell you it mm-hmm. doesn't get better of everyone tells you like oh time heals all wounds you know it'll every day it'll get a little bit better he's like nope yeah.
1: no it doesn't
2: <laughs> some things that are never going to get better
1: you are never going to get over this is basically what he's saying yeah
0: so they have their long extended out conversation about who they know and it turns out that he knows the uh the guy who's been like the conspiracy theorist on basically on YouTube, you know, shouting out conspiracy theories about black eyed kids.
2: Seems more like a Reddit kind of guy. But yeah, I get what you
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really all that familiar with Reddit. I Don't be
2: <laughs> Don't wormhole <laughs> full of shitholes. Oh, so it's like the internet? It's like the porta potty of the internet. <laughs> Yes. like it's useful you know <laughs> but you don't want to hang out there no
1: <laughs> it will suck out your soul and then take a shit in it why does everybody
0: I know on Reddit?
1: because you know horrible people
0: <laughs> oh that's true
2: huh it has its uses <laughs> yeah. but you know it's the worst of the worst Show up on Reddit. And, like, maggots have their use for cleaning wounds, but I still wouldn't say that they're...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) He established this connection between this guy, the older guy that saved their ass. You know, it's that he knew his parents, and then he was married to the other guy's ex-wife. I don't know everybody's fucking names. There's too many people for me to remember all their names. And then, oh, lo and behold, because you've stopped in the diner to have your uh, moons over my hammy there are (laughs) black guy kids surrounding the place then we flash back to the cop who's uh, sitting in the bar getting drunk as usual and then his wife shows up and basically is you know telling him he needs to like quit drinking he's gonna like lose his job along with his marriage and that'll ruin him his drinking has already lost her. he's gonna lose everything yeah. losing his job will basically destroy him because that's what he loves is being a cop he lives for being a cop just kind of ignores her and then when he stumbles outside there's like two black eyed kids in there <laughs> oh, I love at this him. part <laughs> what the hell are you looking at so flashback to the diner um apparently the old dude was just Fucking packing an M-16 and nobody
2: noticed? I think it was in that duffel bag that he... He just pulled it out of his ass,
0: you know. Highlander-style, straight out of his asshole, pulls out an M-16 and starts going to town. (laughs) They all come out and jump into the truck. It turns out that the guy's daughter is standing out in front of him. Rather than, like, just plow through a bunch of them, he has to turn. And then he, like, nails some of them, and some lady, like, calls the cops and...
1: They're shooting kids. They're shooting
0: kids. Yeah. From their perspective, clearly, these nut jobs just busted out of Denny's with a fucking a bunch <laughs> of arm <laughs> and started a mowing down kids.
2: And then when, when his daughter's like standing in front of him, they're like rammer, and they're like, "Could you do that if that was your kid?" No, I guess not.
0: cold hard shit, right there. Then flash forward to the cop. The cops in his house. He gets approached by the black-eyed kids that he was uh, talking to before. (laughs) It kind of makes you aware of how different the realm of a police officer is just overall. First of all, the guy's been drinking at a bar, like, heavily, and drove his ass home that none of us could get away with. (laughs) The kids follow him to his house, so he's like, I could have you arrested for stalking. (laughs) And then he's just like, I could just fuck you up.
2: Yeah. It reminds me of that part in Pulp Fiction where they're talking about how his car got vandalized and he wishes he had caught them, because if he caught them, it would have been worth it to be able to kick their ass. Yes. And he's like, I wish you would come in my house so I could fuck you up. And they're like, uh-huh. that little look between them, they're like, magic words.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. He's like, oh, wait, <laughs> never mind. Oh, shit. Fuck <laughs> oh, no.
0: After that, we go back to the little creepy leader, black-eyed kid, I should say. The little blonde demon. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes I love that, how they
2: do uh, some perspective stuff in that scene where they show like a desk. And he doesn't clear the desk at the top of his head. Yeah. You know, to <laughs> just remind you that he's like six, years, six or seven. He's tiny but evil.
0: The way it always is, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, true. So this where they have the meeting with all the black-eyed kids and the writer. And he mm-hmm. reveals that one of her friends from that weird, creepy commune thing that we saw earlier is now one of the black-eyed kids. And the creepy kid gets that speech.
0: He announced their their plans to uh, dominate the world,
2: turn all of humanity into livestock, and
0: it was another good Black Eyed Kids episode. I mean, if you've been following along, well, then it's exactly what you expect from you know dark, creepy ass artwork, good storyline. They're keeping us going here. Uh, violence, lots of violence.
1: It's pretty consistent. Yeah, it's still creepy, scary. Makes you terrified of children <laughs>
0: more than usual. My only disappointment with this one is that I feel like the plot kind of dragged a little bit. Like they didn't, we didn't really get much farther along in this episode as we have before. So I'm gonna give it four M16s out the Denny's window.
1: I will give it three and a half. Make it a double this time.
2: I will give it three and a half moons over my hammy. We'll head over to Marvel.
1: Oh, the dog, why?
2: <laughs> yeah. So this one, if you've been reading The Vision, this is, again, more of that creepy, mechanical, inhuman isolation. and I am
1: a robot.
2: Kind of suburban isolation and that. So this starts out with the mother and daughter having a conversation about what The Vision has gone to do and whether he succeeds or fails that they're going to come for them next because they're the, the creation of this person who's you know, gone off the deep end, so they're going to be suspect, and they're probably going to get destroyed. So she tells her she doesn't want there to be any, you know, any more secrets between them before the end comes, so she tells her that she's the one who killed her friend, and the daughter doesn't take it very well at all. As you would expect, you know, if someone told you that the one person who said you were cool in high school got fucking murdered by your parents, you might not be too happy about that. So they have their fights, and they do that kind of stuttering, repeating thing where, like, the computer program is, you know, glitching, basically, from their trauma. And after that fight, like you said, that poor little dog, the mom flips out and fucking, like, punches the dog and then blasts him with a laser and starts eating the inside of the dog. It was fucking weird and fucked up. I did not
1: appreciate that at all. No. It was weird. I was not happy about that. Is she eating the machine because she's a machine?
2: What? It almost looked like when they talk about those petals that tell the future, it looked like there was something like that inside the dog, but I don't know.
1: Yeah.
2: In general, when you see someone murder the family dog and start eating it, that's pretty disturbing. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a little zombie robot dog, it's still Mm -hmm. pretty fucked up. So, yeah, we see more of Tom King's comforting and warm vision of how the world works. Here, no in full display, <laughs> we've seen in Batman. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of similar to what we saw in Civil War, where you got the two sides of heroes uh, facing off. You know, you got the Vision floating on one side, and all the other superheroes lined up on the other side, in front of a, a movie poster that's Simon Williams, which is Wonder Man, which I thought was interesting because he's related to the Vision as well. He just lays flat out for them. I'm, you know, I'm going to go into Victor's cell and then I'm going to kill him because he killed my son. Mm -hmm. I would appreciate your, what is it, your understanding, your cooperation on this, but I do not require it. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, Tony Stark, the super fucking genius that he is, decides to tell the Vision about the next trap that he has set for him and like holds it up to make the vision back down and the vision just fucking blasts him with his gym laser thing and just starts whooping the yep. shit out of everybody talks about how the vision can modify his body and his density so he can fly it sometimes and then he can be super strong which is where he fights thor mm-hmm. kicks thor's ass which was kind of interesting oh the the subtitle for this was we were born for better things than this which is interesting because the Vision is telling you the first things that he heard when he was born was Ultron telling him he was created and basically not to question him because he was made to serve and he was given a brain so that he could basically don't give him no you know backtalk. But the Vision you know isn't having any of that. <laughs> so there's this cool narration with basically retelling of that that storyline you know that he was created to destroy the Avengers and here he is destroying the Avengers, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. And then it also contrasts that with his wife when she was created that the vision also gives her not exactly the same speech. It's kind of the opposite speech. Like it follows the same pattern, but all its points are opposite that because like when the vision was created, he didn't have a name because Ultron told him he didn't need a name. And it's only when he fought the wasp that she saw him and said that he was a vision of death or destruction. And he took his name from that Mm -hmm. vision, but he tells his wife her name and that she was made to be a good person And if she wants, you know, she can marry him and they'll have a home and children and, you know, have a happy life. So his wife does. I don't know if you guys read the issue where Wanda gave him like this like mind crystal thing that puts a lot of her personality and memories into his wife so she can explore these memories and she sees a lot of the fucked up things that have happened with the vision and uh, scarlet witch like with their children being born and making deals Mm -hmm. with literally the devil to save them and all this kind of stuff so she (laughs) finds all these sad things and is you know very confused by it all the vision just battling everyone and laser blasting medusa and choking thor out and phasing through captain marvel just laying waste to everybody just showing you really just how powerful he is and how much he holds back a lot of the times. Cool. So he goes into, after he beats the shit out of all of them, he goes into the prison and he's confronted by the Scarlet Witch who's telling him, we're different than everyone else. If you do this thing, you're going to become just like everyone else. And this is like where you can see just how kind of how far the vision has gone in this because he fucks up the Scarlet Witch. He basically faces his hand inside her chest, I think, and maybe squeezes her heart. I don't think he actually kills her, but he definitely...
1: He knocks her
2: down. Agatha can't do anything about it because she's just a ghost. So then he goes in to meet with Victor and tells him, you know, I'm here to kill you because of what you've done. And Victor basically tells him, I know what I've done and I know what you have to do next. So basically, let's get this show on the road, you know. And that's when a hand phases through his body And you realize it's the wife who's shown up and rips Victor's heart out, basically tells him, I'll see you at home, honey. (laughs) And you're (laughs) like, holy shit. It was really a really, I thought, interesting issue. Lots of good character stuff with the vision and his origins from Ultron and his wife going just as crazy as him and even more, I guess, evil. So I think what's going to happen now is she's going to be the one that they end up destroying because she's the one who actually killed Victor. Mm -hmm. But he went on a quite a rampage here and, pretty much kicked the shit out of the entire Marvel Universe, and the most shocking of all that is when he went after the Scarlet Witch, because they are tighter than tight can be. They are His wife is a recreation of her because he can't be with her. So when he turns on her to get to Victor, it kind of shows you how consumed he is by this. This was really good, and I'm really a big fan of Tom King's writing. It's so dark and pessimistic. I just, I love it. Why do I have to kill the dog? It was fucked up. And general rule and really like stories that. is like children and, anim- and animals are safe. Yeah,
1: you know, exactly. not here.
2: <laughs> no, no children are he's safe. He killed the no son. He killed the dog. Yeah, killing everybody. And everyone dies. There is
1: no happy ending. You do not pass go. You do not collect two hundred dollars. Yep. I can't believe the vision fucking hurt Wanda. Why? Yeah, that was. Is she the only one that can stop him, and that's why he did it?
2: She has the capability to stop him. My thought is that when he confronts her, he's kind of talking to his conscience in a way, mm-hmm. and he's denying, he's he's shutting that part down. I mean, they echo this kind of in the the last Civil War movie when they have the Scarlet Witch and the Vision fighting each other. Right. She is probably one of the few people who can take him down with her reality warping powers. And they have, they like I said, they have so much history with each other. It's really shocking to see that happen. Right.
0: Oh, I thought it was awesome. Great speech soliloquy whatever you want to call it from a uh, vision about his creation and stuff awesome seeing him fucking just wholesale ass on the entire fucking crew of avengers and anybody who wanted to fuck with them it's dark great gritty storytelling of a fucking robot that wants to have a family and then just shit goes bad been loving it the entire time
2: i gave it four and a half murdered dogs no, I give it four and a quarter petals
1: that must be consumed. Gruesome.
0: I'm going to give it four and a half ripped out robotic hearts.
2: Oh, this was a, this was a dark one. <laughs> this really was. They're all
1: dark. though. I mean, every single one has a dark moment. We, there, there hasn't been anything that's been particularly happy, really
2: no they've had in the beginning before things went wrong it was still kind of an upsetting things are just slightly tilted off kilter like it was very stepfordy like they were trapped by suburbia and then shit just started going wrong the
1: kids had problems with school and that's where it went all downhill oh it's fucked
2: up (laughs) let's sail off to some well i was gonna say happier shores but nope definitely
0: not so we've got britannia number one book one valiant comics written by peter milligan Art by Juan Jose Rip. Colors by Jordi Belair. So,
1: you know, it's going to be good. <laughs> the colors are going to be awesome.
0: And it does definitely do that. So basically this whole story starts in 60 AD. So Nero's king and it's set in Roman times. You have this centurion that's being talked to by this Vestal version, right? She's like the head Vestal version.
2: She's like basically the version of the Pope.
0: So she basically wants him to grab some men and go save one of her girls that's been grabbed by some...
2: Cultists?
0: (laughs) Barbarians. He's arguing with it and says that that'll basically be desertion and she basically says that she's got it if he does it because with her abilities she can basically like pardon people and shit like that. He ends up going... Going out, find these bunch of weirdo Orcus cultists out in the woods, and they have the Vestal Virgin, and uh, they're attempting to sacrifice her, do the good old naked sacrifice. They're gonna wed her to, to Orcus. Him and some Legionnaires come in and go fucking hacking them down. <laughs> the little head priest tries to murder her before they get to him, but then he just basically drives his sword right through this guy's throat, saves her, and there's like these fumes coming out of the area, it has a mind effect on him so he ends up driving him nuts head vestal virgin lady she's talking to nero and she's basically like talking about how there could be like real monsters out there she makes a reference to nero saying that there's there's rumors that there's monsters here you know because of her power she's basically able to get away with a lot more shit than normal people would she's talking him out of crucifying the centurion And then, of course, Nero, being Deception King, starts picking up on, like, okay, why are you so interested in him? Mine's left cracked, and she's like, oh, we have our ways.
2: Pretty fucked up, their healing methods. Yeah! They're like, oh, you've had some trauma and have some serious mental illnesses? Let's put you in a bathtub full of blood and (laughs) cleanse you.
0: But getting scrubbed down by a bunch of hotties and stuff. (laughs) I was thinking about that,
2: though, a little bit, and that... Christianity kind of has the same ideas in being bathed in blood to purify yourself. I mean, this is a much more literal idea of that. At first, I was shocked by it, but then as I thought about it a little more, I think it's not as out there as maybe it seems.
0: If there's going to be three super hot chicks scrubbing me down, just dip me in blood all you want.
2: <laughs> then they hang him by his feet upside down over like a fire.
0: Now, that one's weird to me. Thermodynamic heat travels upwards, and he's right over it. So,
2: mm-hmm. Vesta is the Roman goddess of the hearth. She's what protects the empire. That as long as that flame—and I think that's the central flame of Rome—that he's hanging over. As long as that fire is burning, mm-hmm. Rome is safe.
0: Have him start reading this codex. And it's like their sacred writings and stuff like that. So he starts reading all this stuff. And apparently it's less about faith and stuff like that. Later on, he mentions how it's dismissing like superstition. It's basically like teaching them how to be a detective is what I read into it.
2: Most Romans, cause and effect isn't something they really believe in. You know, what did the gods think? And did you sacrifice the right goat? Those kind of things are what what make things happen.
0: Exactly. So he's basically reading the early Sherlock Holmes notes. Then he gets offered one of the veg, 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 vegetable virgins.
1: Vegetarian virgins.
2: <laughs> the vestal. <laughs>
1: Vegetarian virgins. Let's just go with that. She's trying to heal him,
0: and so apparently the vagina has very restorative powers. This is true.
2: You see what comes out of there. Generally cured me of what's <laughs> ailed me. <laughs> Take two and call me in the morning. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> so they get it on. So, uh. And what they say is that transgression is a powerful form of magic. So by doing this virgin, who's totally off-limits and punishable by death for even seeing her naked or anything like that that they have committed a, a one of the worst transgressions against Rome that you can do and that there's powerful magic in that.
0: It's six years later and Antonius is investigating what he suspects is a murder of a guy's business partner so this guy's banging around on his slavery. He said, there's plenty of ass there's lots
1: of ass La- ass and titties
0: <laughs> ass and titties all. I got this one for the <laughs> ladies here <laughs>
1: nope that ain't for the ladies
0: you guys are always the ones that are going for the sexy time comics so <laughs> but usually
1: they're lesbians
0: he barges into this guy's sleeping quarters and it's like, your business partner uh, has been missing for five days and you're like sleeping with all these several mistresses and the guy takes a swing at him, he fucking parries it away, throws him on the ground. He's telling me, he's like, okay, so the guy mysteriously disappears, then you've got problems, and you've got all these mistresses and stuff, and then you, I thought it was pretty funny that he's like, I like to catch people yeah. naked. They'll often reveal a little more than they mean I liked that, too. Find out that he has a son, that the Vestal Virgins said that he wasn't fit to uh, raise a kid. They found him a, a couple, they were barren, they'd handed him off.
2: Reminds me a lot of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Out living in the desert, <laughs> moisture farming. <laughs> Blue milk everywhere. Roman slavery is definitely different than what we think of as American slavery.
0: Well, then again, he also says later on that, you know, he tells him that, you know, he could have us.
2: He's like, yeah, no, for tax purposes, I'll... Oh, Nero's so fucked up. Oh, God. He's got some chick... It's not like some chick. That's his niece. Well, this is Rome. I, I, I gotta...
1: Is this what when in Rome means? Like, really... <laughs>
2: when in Rome, get a handjob from your niece in a bathtub? I don't think that's what that saying means. I don't think that's
0: a handjob. Well, maybe
2: not. That's true. They do have motion lines around her head. I think you're right.
0: (laughs) During this scene, all of a sudden, some centurion gets drug in, and he's, like, all jacked up, coming from Britannia, and he's telling him that there's, like, all these monsters in the frontier, and that there's druids everywhere, and whatnot, and they show this scene where he's in Britannia, and chasing off, like, a merchant. All of a sudden, his partner, like, disappears in the fog, and then And he's like calling for him. The merchant starts going on about all the imperialists and how they should, they shouldn't be here. And then his partner comes back and he's all like zombified.
2: (laughs) I also like when they rush in and they're like, he's from Britannia. And the emperor's like, what the fuck is that? And then the way that they pointed to him is rain, warm beer, and punks. You're like, oh yeah, that Britannia. Things never change.
0: The centurions show up. They tell him that he's going to have to go to Nero, Nero's uh, palace. He goes to Nero's palace after a little bit of resistance when they threaten to burn his house down and then Ramus take up the slave's ass. It's like, damn. Romans don't
2: fuck around.
0: No room for subtlety. It turns out that Nero thinks that because he was a detectioner that... He basically was like a spirit reader, so he's like, cuts this guy's (laughs) throat.
2: Which goes right Um, back to what they were saying about how most Romans think, right? That if this guy can figure things out, he must do it through, like, sorcery and augury and, like, reading entrails and stuff. And he's like, no, I just look at clues. I don't believe all this superstitious (laughs) bullshit.
0: Gets told that he's going to Britannia, despite the fact that he's already done his years of service. He has a talk with the vegetable virgin (laughs) mother... Because he's like, well, you could like pardon me if he decides to do this stuff. She's got her own agenda going on here for something that you're not quite sure what. And she is also doing the same. She basically manipulated Nero into sending him out there. Flash forward to Britannia 130 days later. He's lost 10 soldiers from dysentery and they walk into this giant. Gibbering
1: mouth and eyes and tentacles and mouth and eyes. It's like a beholder looking horrible blob.
0: That's where it ends. The dead bodies of centurions in, in its mouth.
2: That smell of like a wet animal and death and dung. That that's what he smelled before.
0: I gotta say, of course, the picture of Orcus is fucking amazing. All the artwork is in this is great. The story, I'm less than enthused with it. I mean it's it's good enough. I don't know. It just seems like it's too rambling and it spends a lot of time like Game of Thrones and around
1: i was gonna say that as well and i don't watch game of thrones but i still can see this being game of thrones
2: it has a lot in common with game of thrones the betrayal yeah. garden is basically what emperor's uh nero's
0: palace is I'm pretty sure what they're trying to do it's just it's really boring to read in the comic book for me so it's one thing watching a movie about it or a TV series or something it's another thing going back and forth and going wait what what are they doing
2: I think I had maybe the opposite uh, of you two with this I enjoyed this and normally when I see something from Valiant I put it in the steaming pile of shit category <laughs> because I don't like their stuff at all because very third rate generic superhero stuff this to me could have been an image or Aftershock or Dark Horse or something like that like, I feel like this is its own little universe story and I I I liked it. I mean, I was reading this, and I'd have to stop, and maybe to other people this is a drawback, but I had to stop, like, every couple pages and, like, Google something, because I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. But then, like, you read it, and you're like, oh, now I understand what they're talking about, and they're being very accurate in what they're talking about. Like, I knew about Vestal Virgins, but I knew nothing actually about, you know, because, like, I've seen them in other things, mainly History of the World. They're in there, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But I'm like, I didn't know anything about uh, Vesta. i a
0: great source of Roman historical knowledge. That's
2: where I get 90% of my history from.
1: Yep, and American history is national treasure. That's where I get mine.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I really appreciated this look into Rome that is accurate, but then also has some supernatural stuff. I liked the stuff with the actual information that the cult of Vesta has is reason and rationality and basically science rather than superstition. thought that was pretty cool. I liked the Game of Thrones stuff. I liked that that kid is the child of that Vestal Virgin and him, and that Nero knows that the child belongs to him and threatened him with it. And I just appreciate all the betrayal and intrigue, and I think you guys were frustrated by it. Not my jam. I think this is unlike anything I've read in a while, and I appreciate things that are different.
0: It's definitely different. I'll give it that much. It was kind of lukewarm for me it wasn't horrible it wasn't great i'm gonna give it three vegetable virgins
1: i can see that some people would really really like it if you like the roman empire if you like that kind of stuff this is for you
2: if you liked the hbo series rome you will love this
1: exactly i will give it three bloodbaths i will
2: give it four eternal flames
1: buck fairyland issue number nine image comics story and art by Scotty young colors by jean francois beliau Because I love saying that.
2: Some of you may know it by its actual name, I Hate Fairyland. We go with the original. This was his original
1: title, but they were like, we can't put that on a book. They make two copies. They make one with the I Hate Fairyland, and they make one that's Fuck Fairyland. And it's funny because when I go to purchase it, because I actually do purchase a copy, it is flipped over and you only get the back, which is, it's usually just like a symbol. This is one of those things where Christina loves any comic book that has a card game in it because I love playing cards. I love playing Texas Hold'em and this is like this weird version of Texas Hold'em that she's playing with Voodoo Guy, Witch Person, Ghost Dude. Other
2: Ghost Dude. Dark Wizard. I yeah.
1: like Grim Reaper Dude. That right there makes me happy. Loses on its two trolls and one bridge.
2: I like the names of the cards they have. Full Knight's Bone, Drop a Queen yeah. Bomb, Power Rod, uh, The Dirty Huntsman. Oh, uh, Dirty Huntsman was
1: He raises, she re raises, and. He calls her on it, and she doesn't even have, like, she doesn't have anything, and she doesn't have the money to back it up. He's like, okay, well, feed you to my snake. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, well, I have this thing, a, a catastrophon, on. And he's like, what? Oh, I will take that. You know, if you can procure this, I will not feed you to my snake, and we're all square. So she's like, yeah, so I've got it in the hat of holding. Bag of holding, hat of holding, funny. And so she disappears into the hat, and I love fucking Larry. That line, does anyone watch Broad City?
2: No. <laughs> what? Never seen it. You've never seen Game of Thrones, all right? Let's not even start on... Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of every d d adventuring party in their bag of holding. <laughs> <You're afraid. laughs> or a trench coat in World of Darkness, one of the two.
1: Everything's like a giant mess, and there's like stuff covered up. I like the ship that's in there. <laughs> the nuke. Crazy random crap. I love it that she gets threatened by this little gnome thing. And she's like, what the hell? Why'd you threaten to kill me? All of a sudden, she's freaking out, and he's like, he's like, well, there's these horrible things here, and it's it's the lints. And he'd like they like destroy him and there's like little black teeth with eyeballs.
2: They remind me of on Sesame Street where you have the two when they have the words and the word is like split in half mm-hmm. on each side and then the, the thing says the word and they move closer together. It reminds me of those <laughs> muppets. But full of evil and teeth.
1: Full of evil. They remind me and this is you're not gonna get it, they remind me of the suits from Spirited Away.
2: I've seen Spirited Away. I like Spirited Away. I like all the Miyazaki movies. I own almost all of them. (laughs) They're amazing. That doesn't
1: count as anime to
2: you, then. That's good.
1: There's, like, all the people who she's, like, kidnapped and shoved in the hat. She's got, like, all these different characters. She's got, like, the snowman guy. She's got the pig guy. (laughs) And I remember the pig guy. Yeah, at
2: the farm where they went to. They're
1: trying to hold him off. The barricade's about to break. And the barricade breaks. And then there's this chaos. And there's shotguns. And I love that the snowman has, like, a (laughs) flamethrower. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the little Bo character is like trying to pull them off and then she gets taken over and, sh- and Gertie's like no this was my only best friend <laughs> and then no she dies which is sad what's hilarious is like so what's happening on the other side of the hat <laughs> A frickin' Kager. I like the p- the pizza that they order, and there's just, like, chaos, and there's, I don't know, the mustache dude was sleeping with one of the ghost things, and Larry's getting it with one of these tentacle creatures.
2: <laughs> it's a drunken, <laughs> like you said, frat party orgy going on, yeah.
1: She's like, I need help. It's her hat of holding. She's got a mecha suit that looks like the thing from Aliens. She gets in the suit, and she's starting beating up this giant lynch creature, and so fires at him, and then... She says, if anybody could send me something to help me now, this this would be great. And it's the kitty.
2: It's the Catastrophon. So adorable.
1: It's so adorable and so murderous. So it saves her. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then it looks like he spits it up. which is even grosser.
2: (laughs) I love it's got all the like blood or vomit or whatever it is all over its little kitty face.
1: And he's he's licking it. He's like licking the bone. So she pops out of the hat and then see blood gushing out of the tower. Love that part. I
2: love when she's talking to Larry and he's like telling him how they tortured him, they tied him up, you know, slapped him and beat him and choked him, all this dark stuff. And she's like, do they normally use massage oil when they're
1: torturing you? Yeah. And the hickey, he's like, is that a hickey on your neck? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, like I said, they were twisted. (laughs) Twisted. Twisted dark wizard.
2: Don't be ashamed, Larry. It's It's all right. You're into what you're into. It's good. Twisted
0: isn't always a bad thing.
1: Scotty Young coming up with all this crazy ass shit. I love it. It's crazy. I want a catastrophe on my own.
2: Adorable murder. Of course you want
1: one. It's fluffy. (laughs) It can't kill you if it's fluffy. Oh,
2: no. It'll kill the shit out of everything, apparently.
0: (laughs) I think it is insane and (laughs) fucking hilarious and awesome, especially after you've, like, read a bunch of, like, comics that are, like, more to the serious tinge. It's it's a good comic relief. There's always something funny in them. I love them to death.
2: Like, the first arc of I I Hate Fairyland, I think I enjoyed that more because there was an actual plot and a goal that they were going towards, and now I've just kind of accepted that all of these issues are standalone issues, and that there really is Mm -hmm. not going to be an overall plot until he figures out what he's gonna do but each issue if you just take it on your own here's a little break from sanity (laughs) with cuteness and violence they're enjoyable in that way making peace with the fact that right now there's no plot moving forward
1: like some of the stuff is just way too serious like the vision going from the vision to this or civil war 2 the that issue Pellet cleanser so I'm going to give it four lavender vanilla massage oils.
2: I will give it three <laughs> Catastrophons. I'm going to give it four hardcore
0: independent women.
2: Now that we've had our palate cleansed, we can go into some, some more dark stuff. So head over to to DC uh, for Batman number 7 from DC Comics, Night of the Monster Man Part 1, written by Steve Orlando, art by Riley Rosmo, colors by Ivan Placencia. So we've been hearing uh, that the Monster Men are coming for quite a while now, and they are here. It's kind of, I don't want to mix up Batman and Nightwing with what happens, because they're, it's one continuous it's story. Hard. Like, they're both, Yeah. this is not um, written by the normal writer for Batman. This is, both, both issues are actually by the same person. So this one, there's been, I don't know if you've remembered, but during, like, all of the bombings and things, there have been people who have been killing themselves and saying, like, the Monster Men are coming when they do so. So there's all these bodies in the morgue and there's of course Batman is standing out in the rain because it's always raining on Batman or Usagi those two guys it's always (laughs) gonna be a dark stormy night so he's talking to his bat family the things basically whether they're getting better or not getting better and basically the death of of red robin yum so there's this storm that's coming and the city's gonna flood batman is like not one more person is gonna gonna die um that they're going to no more death no one more no one else (laughs) dies today
0: when the hurricanes ended end
2: of the city. Good thinking, yeah. Batman. And they're like, uh, Batman, it's a natural disaster. You know, you, you can't fight it. He's like, the hell we can't. You can't stop it. <laughs> I'm Batman. So he basically splits up his team to, you know, some people are going to be evacuating people. Some people are going to be, like, guarding this cave. Like, everyone's going to have a role to to do. And then it cuts to this scene with Hugo Strange uh, that just so reminds me of in, like, Cape Fear, uh, where the guy's, like, working <laughs> yeah. out before he gets released from prison. So you also get some some ass here of Hugo Strange, too. Who knew
0: that Hugo Strange was so bad? Well, jacked, it's because, dude, remember, they said Hugo that.
2: Strange went to that prison and got the fucking Bane Juice, the Venom. So oh, that's, that's why cool. he's so right, fucking huh? ripped, because Hugo Strange <laughs> has always been a brilliant scientist and one of Batman's, like, oldest foes. But he's never been physically, like, imposing. And here he is fucking Ripped. ripped. <laughs> Yeah, he's doing his naked prison workout. Weird. So you see these bodies in the morgue start having all these, like, boils and, like, blood spurting out of them. Grossness. Total grossness. <laughs> you see the, all the, the bat people are, are doing their stuff. Like, uh, Clayface is turning into a bunch of cops and spreading throughout the city to kind of coordinate stuff. And people are evacuating people and herding them out. And that's when the first of the Monster Men break out. Which is fucking weird and disturbing. Yes, weird. I don't know if, uh, if you yeah. guys remember when I reviewed that issue of Nightwing uh, where he's fighting Cobra. Like, you find out this is related to Cobra, and I said that that stuff was like the things of nightmares. This is what those monsters are like. But these are gigantic. It
1: looks like a big, giant baby
2: golem thing with this gigantic <laughs> eyeball on top of it, like drenched in hmm. blood, hmm. and y- y- you just have to see it. You know, because it's, it's gross. gross. It's gross. It's awesome, but it's gross. So there's this giant baby golem Godzilla thing rampaging through the city. Batman and Batwoman and Nightwing are trying to fight it, and so Batman is like ramming it with his Batjet and and fighting it. A cool like fight scene because the thing is so gigantic and hard to to take down. And there's explosions and and all kinds of chaos and battles uh, going on. So nice kind of superhero fighting horrible monsters there. And you also get some stuff with the people at the cave who are trying to herd everyone into this cave where they're going to be safe, that kind of stuff. And then they show – they do some like detective stuff and they – do like a DNA analysis here and what I love in this part is Batman has this giant fucking syringe that's like I don't know like a shotgun sized syringe right and now keep in mind Batman had no idea this thing was coming no idea he would need to get a blood sample from anything and he just fucking has it I'm
1: like, of course he is. I'm like, hey, He's
2: a bat syringe.
1: Probably on his fucking tool belt. Yeah. Like just <laughs> right is fucking ready for everything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he whips this fucking giant syringe <laughs> shotgun thing out and gets a sample, sends it back to the Batcave. So they do an analysis on it, and they realize it's the guy who showed up at Jim Gordon's office and cut his throat, telling him that the Monster Man were coming, that mm-hmm. that's who this is. So they're like, oh shit, like we need to investigate this and figure out. They're, they also talk a little bit about the suicide squad that they're going to do stuff yes. down there. And that's when the second of the Monster Men come out. So this one was, I thought it was kind of cool. This is a different writer in a different art style. This, is, this seems to me more like a retro Batman outfit than than normal. Yeah,
1: the, the, short, the short pointy ears, the really short Yeah, ones. he's like
2: the gray and blue mm-hmm. outfit. The thing with Hugo Strange I thought was kind of cool to see him, his master plan coming into effect that, you know, all of the issues of Batman, Nightwing, Detective Comics, all this have been leading up to this. Because, like, Detective Comics, they've been predicting the Monster Men. Like, that's what they were trying to get ready for, that Batman shut them down for. I I thought that was kind of cool. Different take on Hugo Strange. Different uh, crossover event that's going to happen. The monsters are disturbing. And I also like that you're seeing kind of the fallout from... We'll see that more in Nightwing. The fallout from the death of, of Red Robin with Batman wanting no one else to die and making pretty much bad tactical tactical decisions to try and save people
1: so my favorite scene in this is the page where batman talking to alfred where he's like alfred you cut out what are you looking at and he's like (laughs) it's terrible (laughs) we've seen things but this is terrible and it's like i just that was my favorite scene where it's like alfred like with the big guys like um but of course he's probably saying it like super polite but yeah that baby monster is fucked up i did not like i did not like the baby monster i like this the second monster looks like it's like kind of like this weird dragon Godzilla dragon thing. Yeah. But with, like, a human roided out neck, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, that's
2: more like a traditional monster, but this baby golem with the giant eye on yeah. top of his head, oh. Uh. That's fucking creepy.
1: Honestly, you know,
0: I felt like the creepier part was, like, before the bat kaiju started showing up, really. I don't know, <laughs> to me, like, I found it really disturbing, like, this guy who's coming in and talking with Gordon and, like, cuts his own fucking throat, then he's turned into, like, one of the monster Men. Like, to me, that was, like that was really disturbing. <laughs> you know, it's like, obviously this guy's been programmed enough where he'll just commit suicide for a plan.
2: That's I think from Batman, either issue one or issue two. It's
0: a good story for sure. I kind of got bored with the giant Kaiju thing. And I, I mean, of course we had two issues of it with Nightwing and uh, Batman.
2: Well, I ended up giving this one a four roided out go, Stranges. I'm going to give it three and a half giant eyeball babies. That's gross.
0: <laughs> I'm going to give it three self-inflicted knife wounds. I'm sorry, out. And,
2: and a half. All right, the monster, Night of the Monster Men certainly isn't over. Part
1: two. Nightwing. Night week number five, DC Comics, Night of the Monster Men, part two. Written by Steve Orlando, art by Roger Antonio, colors by Chris Sotomayor. So we have more of the Monster Men. This one was grosser, I thought. We got more monsters, basically. We have the three-headed. So first there was one head and then there were three heads Batwoman was like there's there's three heads there's three goddamn heads in this it's more of the same i mean it's a continuation of the story we have people going to the cave we have mayhem through the city we have nightwing is one of the evacuators she's trying to get everybody out of the city they've got i like the the new toys thing they got all these new bat uh, bat motorcycles it's
2: bat pager sends the message throughout the whole city <laughs> someone walked in uh when i was reading the book and they're like oh what are you Ooh. reading I'm like, oh, I'm reading Nightwing. And they're like, well, can I see? And I'm like, no, you really don't want to see it. And they're like, oh, come on. So then looking at one of the panels of the monsters, and I showed it to them, and they're like, all right, I'll, I'll catch you later then. And like walked out of the room. No, thank you. <laughs> no, no thank, you. thank you. No, thank you.
1: There's a lot of chaos going on in the city, and then in where the evacuation point is, like people, are starting to, like people are starting to lose their shit. The ending is really Dick Grayson goes to the morgue and sees that there are actually four bodies, and they've only seen two monsters so they're like, we're going to do a whole lot of fucking more monsters here. Back at Gotham, they get the fucking what the hell? Spider mouths, all sorts of disgusting nastiness coming at them. It breaks out of what, the penitentiary. Like it destroys that. That's where they are. Yep.
2: Yeah, they're at Blackgate,
1: right? Disgusting nastiness. And so pretty much Gotham girl has, I've had this. I got to do something about this. She's, she's not scared anymore. She's like, I got to take care of this. She needs to be the Gotham girl. To the presidency?
2: Dick Grayson's like, well, I'll get there. I'm going to, like, hitch the next ferry, basically. But how long is that going to take? I like when they show her that she's wearing the Robin jacket from Duke. like, Because they say that eventually they're going to become a couple, right? So I like that right. she's wearing his jacket. That's kind of a little subtle hint there. Yeah. Lots of crazy monsters. Good. I like that uh, Batman again, makes a bad decision. Nightwing calls him on it, too, when he's, like, trying to steer everyone else away from the fight, and he's like, Bruce, right. you're the world's greatest detective. You should probably be going go <laughs> looking for the clues while we fight this thing.
1: Yeah, instead of yeah. Nightwing
2: is going to go now look yeah. for the clues. and. It's like, don't get me wrong, he's probably, like, the world's, like, third or fourth best detective or something, but he's not, sure. you know, Batman would be better suited for that. I love
0: that. how he gives him shit about it, too. He's like, you're just hogging all the action.
1: <laughs> you guys are getting me to read a DC book. You should be happy. It's still, it's Batman. I'm okay with Batman. I've never really liked Robin, though.
2: This isn't Robin, this is Nightwing. Nightwing's dope.
1: I think I'll give it three
2: and a half quarter morgues.
0: I'll give it three and a half bat lights.
2: I will give it four empty Morgs. So, I've got one more DC book for us, and this is us uh, sort of nearing the end of The Rebirth. This is, we're definitely getting to the last books in The Rebirth one. So, this one is Trinity number one, Better Together Part One Family Dinner from DC Comics. Story and Art by Francis Manip, who originally was, the first time I saw him, was a Flash artist um, on The Flash. So, if you like manipul's art he also eventually went on to write the flash so he's both an artist and writer and pretty good so this is kind of the story of superman is new to this world this superman is and no one knows who he is so they don't have that like those bonds that they used to have so lois talks about how like all of her family is super superman and her son can lift like cars over their head and her her heroes and she's like well but i'm also the world's best reporter so i pay attention to things and she basically invites batman and wonder woman over for dinner and i love when wonder woman shows up she brings them a gift so she killed like a wild like a giant wild boar for them
1: that was so awesome it's like a
2: housewarming gift
1: but she's like wow. you brought a boar she's like a wild boar like you yeah. oh, get this yeah i didn't go and buy this <laughs>
2: the you got fucking you. batman <laughs> flying in on his like Fucking bat plane with like his like army of bats over like the cornfields and like windmills in the farm, you know. So they're all arriving very much in their style. So the little kid, you know, hears and no one knows they're coming except for Lois. So they hear like a knock at the door, and the little kid goes running off and he like thinks about it for a second. He's like, Wait, before I open this door, I should probably look and see who's on the other side. So he uses his like vision to see through the door And he sees that the guy standing outside in the suit has the bat suit on underneath. Mm -hmm. And the woman in, like, the ball gown uh, has, like, the Wonder Woman bracelets on. So he is freaked the fuck out. And X-ray vision switches to heat vision without, like, being under his control. So he blasts the shit out of them. (laughs) Like, sends them, like, flying off towards the barn. And Wonder Woman's, like, reflecting it with her bracelets. And Batman is just flying backwards. Shit. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> so clark comes like running out of the barn he's like what the hell is going on and the kid's like oh i'm sorry it was an accident and they don't seem to hold it against him they're they're pretty cool with it <laughs> and batman kind of starts giving him some shit where they actually start trading some barbs back and forth well i never agreed with taking children into battle you know with your robins and he's like well maybe if you would touch your child a little better he wouldn't be blasting people with lasers <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's a little back and forth with that and like Wonder Woman is talking to Lois that like, don't worry. Like, you keep giving me the eyes, and I'm not here. Like, I love the other, this world's Superman, but your Superman isn't him. Don't worry about it. And I also love they call back one of the goofiest fucking Batman things of all time. Where so... Killed me! Yeah, Robin (laughs) breaks his arm. Like, this is like like a classic, goofy-ass Batman story, right? Robin breaks his arm, and they don't want them to figure out that uh, Dick Grayson... Is Robin because they both have a broken arm. So Batman decides, I'm going to wear like a rainbow Batman suit to distract everyone from that. And like Clark is like, that was brilliant, (laughs) you know? And you're like, only in comic book logic land was that a brilliant move. Yep. And then I love that this world's Batman is like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. So I think that that story (laughs) probably only happened back in the. Original, you know, version that this Superman is from before he got ripped into this new world. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or Batman just doesn't want to acknowledge it, but I think it's, he's just not going to yeah. admit it. It has these cool where it kind of shows you like wonder woman is talking and that she doesn't know her past, but if she can't figure out her past, she wants to know the way forward. So she wants strong women to be her, her friends. So she wants Lois to be her friend, how she's had to contact the cheetah, who's her best friend and arch enemy. Together, you know, and they're trying to like find their way through. So it shows all these scenes where it's like, you know, from strangers to brothers, because uh, there's this scene where Clark and Bruce are standing outside the door looking at the kid, and they're both parents. So they're able to kind of like bond over that. And then it's like rivals to sisters, and it's Lois and Wonder Woman sitting on the porch, like talking to each other. So you see the Trinity kind of coming together. And then there's this kind of strange scene in the barn where they're like, open the barn door, and it's this like, portal to the past where like both sides are kind of looking at each other through like a two-way mirror. I don't know. I really enjoyed this. I thought really good character stuff. I liked seeing them kind of like talking to each other and dealing dealing each other back and forth. Seeing the kid use his powers. I thought this reminded me that DC superheroes are at their core good people. That you could just feel the kind of like Kansas goodness pouring Mm -hmm. off of superman and kind of the honor and nobility from like the amazonians and you know i just i really enjoyed those aspects of the characters coming to the forefront this reminded me a lot i don't know if you guys are familiar with darwin cook's uh new frontier but this reminded me a lot of that
1: surprisingly (laughs) i did not hate it Uh, i liked wonder woman a lot in this one i actually thought that was pretty good it's interesting because it makes them seem really human and genuine which i have not seen a lot in some of the other Ruber stuff. So I actually liked it. It gave them like actual character development. Yes. Which I thought was really good. I was pleasantly surprised (laughs) because when I saw this and I was like, oh, oh." because Trinity, I was like, oh yeah, I know. Great. We're going to get all three of them and they're going to be all their stereotypical, boring characters. And they weren't. This was actually good. The writing is really good. Like, there are funny bits in it that make sense. They're not, like, funny, like, awkward funny. They're, like, funny, good funny. Like, they make sense to the story.
0: The artwork was good. The s- storyline was interesting. I'm
2: curious. I will give it a four and a half Rainbow Batmans. I'm going to give it DC Book four.
1: I'm going to give four. four uh, Wild Boars. That was hilarious.
0: I'm going to give it four Corn on the cobs. Oh, is that everything?
2: Oh, actually, I have an announcement for Four Color Nerds. Four Color Nerds is expanding out with a second podcast about video games, PC gaming in particular, on the cheap. That will be coming very soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled, and you will take a listen. You'll you'll have a new one from us. This will continue, but we've got a we've got a new one rolling you out. You just can't get enough nerd. We're expanding. The nerd multiverse <laughs> crisis on infinite nerds is coming those were the books we read this week to check
0: out our weekly pull lists and other nerd shenanigans go check out four nerds.com or our facebook page four color nerds you can follow us on twitter or at instagram you can find us find the podcast on itunes google play music and stitcher
2: on
1: soundcloud and on podcast addict
0: subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode until then keep reading nerds